0: On January the 20th, Barack Obama formally takes over as President of the United States. In addition to ceremony and speeches, his inauguration day will be filled with symbolism of new beginnings, rites of passage, of change. It's the President's opportunity to declare his administration's intent as he faces a time of unprecedented crisis. Morning Report producer Phil Pennington was in Washington, D.C. in the lead-up to and immediately after Mr Obama's election and looks at the challenges ahead for the incoming president.
1: And that... The chair going up as Ohio is projected to go to Obama at 9.20. It's 9.20 pm on the night in the Mayfair Hotel for the Democratic National Party. Election night party. And as you're
2: going to hear they're pretty excited here.
1: The night of November the 4th, 2008, and the victory Barack Obama worked and hoped for becomes a reality he must now deliver upon. Given George Bush and his Republican Party's poor record and deep unpopularity, this race was always Mr Obama's to lose, but he won it with authority, achieving what no Democrat since Lyndon Johnson nearly half a century ago has done, in capturing both the majority of the popular vote and an overwhelming number of electoral college votes. It was a victory worth celebrating, and the people did. How does it feel... Tonight, do you feel like you're in history in the making?
3: Oh, absolutely!
4: What an exciting evening! (laughs) What an awesome change of events! We feel like this is a revolution. Yes, yes we can. Yes, we
5: can. Yes, we can. can. Yes, Yes, we can. Yes, we
4: can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can.
1: Barack Obama's campaign chart of "Yes, we can." rapidly switched on election night into, yes, we did. And he did, with a rollback of Republican strongholds more significant than Bill Clinton's in the 1990s. But the man himself was quick in his acceptance speech to correct people's impression that the destination was close at hand.
5: This victory alone is not the change we seek. It is only the chance for us to make that change. And that cannot happen if we go back to the way things were. It can't happen without you without a new spirit of service, a new spirit of sacrifice. So let us summon a new spirit of patriotism, of responsibility, where each of us resolves to pitch in and work harder and look after not only ourselves but each other.
1: And so the incoming president's focus shifts from stoking the hunger for change to managing the expectations he himself created.
2: You know, this is a, this is something the Republicans have been in for quite some time, and they have caused a great deal of trouble. And now it's time for a change. And so you know who I'm for, cause we for a change.
1: It's the convergence of factors, of race, of gender, of youth, that have made this a race for president like no other. But it's also unprecedented for the wrong reasons, for the severity and scale of the crises Mr Obama faces coming into office, most notably two wars and a global economic meltdown not seen since the Great Depression. Lanny Davis was President Clinton's legal spokesperson during the late 90s and is a Democratic Party stalwart.
4: He's got to establish a different atmosphere in Washington or else everything that's in front of him, which are very severe problems, he's going to face the same kind of partisan gridlock that President Bush and President Clinton and even going back to President Bush 1 faced. He's got to establish what he said he was going to do, which is not a red America or a blue America, liberal America versus conservative, but an America that rises above its partisanship and solves problems. So that's a very major change for American politics. It's about 30 years ago that we began this uh, partisan culture that has paralyzed Washington. Then the second thing he has to do is go into the solutions business, which follows from the first, and build a bipartisan government picking the best from liberal and conservative leadership and creating the kind of uh, coalition government that Abraham Lincoln created
1: uh, during the Civil War. The Civil War, the Civil Rights Movement, and comparisons to another young and handsome president, John F. Kennedy. Wherever you turn for context, the historical significance of the skinny mixed-race man from Chicago just leaps out. Not only has Barack Obama preached racial reconciliation, but his rise could help achieve it veteran civil rights activist and one-time presidential hopeful, the Reverend Jesse Jackson.
2: We had to bring down the walls to build the bridges. We couldn't hope to, to end segregation. We brought a legal decision in 1954. We couldn't hope to end segregation in Montgomery. We had the boycott. We couldn't hope for public accommodation. We had to march and mm-hmm. take the risk. We couldn't hope for the right to vote. We had to march and sacrifice. But once the walls came down, then we could then build a bridge. So it's another stage of the same struggle. Uh, but the good news is America's a better nation because, because we have struggled. And he represents the best that our struggle has to offer and the best America has to offer. And for that, we're all under one big tent and I can celebrate.
1: Marvin Kalb, a professor emeritus at Harvard University, says John McCain represented a certain time in U.S. history. And that
0: time is now passing. It is time, as John Kennedy said in 1960, for the torch to be passed to a new generation of leadership. And I think in the case of Obama, it is not just a generational change, but in some ways transformational. Considering the history of slavery in the United States, the discrimination against black people, his election is at an historic moment indicating that the United States of America is capable of overriding some of its past, some of the bad past in American history. Pivot points and promises for change have raised expectations
1: nowhere more obviously and understandably than among the African-American constituency. Hillary Shelton heads the Washington, D.C. Bureau of the National Association for the Advancement of Coloured People. Now, the NAACP took a look at both candidates' political agendas.
2: Uh, we, we both uh, sat down with both parties. We have sat down with both candid campaigns to talk about issues important to the African-American community and to the NAACP. What you'll find is that in most issues, Mr. Obama is much more consistent with the NAACP's policy position. Whether we're looking at issues like equal opportunity programs, like affirmative action, challenge to our education system, both those public schools and the need for more resources, as well as access to higher education for those who may be poor and racial and ethnic minority in this country. The emphasis seems to be more consistent with the agenda positions of the NAACP. But if we look at issues of the more domestic concern. Whether it's the bailout for the uh, economic crisis we're experiencing now, and making sure the resources work their way down also to not only Main Street but to Back Street, those people are still ascribing uh, to Main Street, still aspiring to live in a, a middle class environment and middle class lifestyle. So very well, it, his his positions are much more consistent with ours.
1: Much less obvious is whether Mr. Obama can, as he's also preached, and as Democratic Party commentators such as Lanny Davis insist he must, move to unify America across its gaping party political lines.
5: Tonight is your answer. It's the answer told by lines that stretched around schools and churches in numbers this nation has never seen. It's the answer spoken by young and old, rich and poor, Democrat and Republican, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Native American, gay, straight, disabled and not disabled, Americans who sent a message to the world that we have never been just a collection of individuals or a collection of red states and blue states, We are and always will be the United States of America.
1: So some are calling this America's chance to resume its progressive social project mislaid in the convulsions of the 1960s and later. But it's worth the reminder that 48% of Americans voted for someone other than Barack Obama. Republican and small business owner Michael Vabada of the small town of Staunton voted McCain-Palin though his state of Virginia went Democratic for the first time since 1964. He's sceptical. The
2: job's a lot tougher, as George Bush found out. When you get there, even your friends start becoming your enemies when you're the President of the United States. So it's tough to stay on everybody's good side. But, I mean, it's sort of, I mean, it's rhetoric. So, I mean, if you're going to say rhetoric, you're going to say you're going to do this, you're going to say you're going to do that. Whether anybody actually does any of it, it's, you know, sure. When When he does something, then that'll be fine. You know, he'll raise taxes. I mean, that's the dirty secret is. You know, we have these tax cuts that the Bush administration have, and they put the time period on it. So in two years, they're going to erase them. So the Democrats don't have to say we raised taxes. We just didn't vote to keep the tax cut there. That annoys me, because they don't have enough guts to say we're raising your taxes.
1: Among the believers, Obama's election triggered big parties in the likes of New York City and Washington, D.C. I spoke with a Teamster Union official the next day, who said the bar he was in on DC's U Street emptied dancing patrons into the street the second the race was called around 11pm on the 4th. On Pennsylvania Avenue, outside the White House, the impromptu party and the chants both pro-Obama and Andy Bush went on past 2am.
5: so it's indescribable,
4: indescribable. There is no day like this in our lifetime. This is the
6: day.
1: The outpouring was another example of Mr. Obama's ability to inspire people. That's a quality even some fairly conservative media commentators have picked up on. This from MSNBC Television.
7: You know what he's got going for him, though, that, that may be of assistance both to him and certainly to us in this country? is for the last eight years, uh, George W. Bush, he's had a disastrous presidency in a lot of respects. But one thing he never had was the ability to use the bully pulpit of the presidency. Barack Obama, when you run for that big job, you have the ability to plant a flag and say, follow me to the nation. He clearly has that ability.
1: Barack Obama has, of course, subsequently been to the White House and has met with President Bush who he's now calling on to introduce a stimulus package in addition to the $700 billion US dollar bailout before Mr Bush leaves office. And that underscores the number one challenge, the economy. If Mr Obama rose upon Americans' belief that he's best placed to alleviate the economic pain therein, he may well fall if he fails to do so.
4: At least on an international level, I think Obama has a kind of sensibility that we just haven't seen and. In- American politics for a while, and um, I'm very hopeful about that. I'm hopeful that he can kind of redeem uh, America's view in the eyes of foreigners. Now, domestically and economically speaking, I really don't know because it's it's a tough one, right? You know, if he can't do it, then you know who can? <laughs> you know, that's that's the question. So I'm willing to be optimistic.
1: Polls published in The Economist before the election show just 6% of Americans viewed the economy positively, while 80% believed the country was going in the wrong direction. Len Berman of the Independent Tax Policy Centre backs up those feelings.
7: We're looking at spending a trillion dollars uh, over the next year just on trying to get out of our economic problems. Uh, and, and over time, if, if we just extended current policies, we'd be looking at Uh, annual deficits of around a trillion dollars or over 4% of of GDP by 2018, our current policies are just disastrous. Uh, Senator Obama says he's going to cut spending, although he's promised a bunch of additional new spending programs to invest in roads and bridges and things like that, education, uh, research on on clean energy and things like that. So, And one of the things that's frustrating for people on the left and the right is that they understand that the current policies – would lead to disaster, no matter what your political perspective. You know, 20, 30 years down the road, we'll have a government that is broke.
1: Others, though, think that time may be on the new president's side, though the suffering for now is real. Political economist Ben Friedman of Harvard.
7: I think it's only just beginning. Uh, We are only just now entering the period in which average citizens are losing their jobs or finding their economic circumstances uh, limited in a way that's starting to bite. This is not unusual for our economy. If you look back over the post World War II era, most recessions have in fact occurred early on in presidential terms. And I think it's rather a a, a favorable situation. It means that uh, in the year 1 and on into year 2 perhaps of the new president's term, Times will be bad, people will be unhappy, but as the president moves into the third and even the fourth year of his term and has to contemplate running for re-election, things are likely to be significantly better. So yes, it will be extremely challenging, but if I were president or working for the president, I would much rather have a period of economic weakness in year one and two of the term rather than in year three and four.
1: There are concerns that President Obama will be too far to the left and not exercise the presidential veto on protectionist bills arising in Congress, which of course is now even further dominated by the Democrats. It may not help that he was endorsed by America's main union movement, the AFL-CIO.
3: Its spokesperson is Steve Smith. Barack Obama supports, uh, uh, for instance, a health care reform package that doesn't just want to sort of give the insurance companies more power. This package would actually cover many of the forty seven million Americans that don 't have health insurance it would reduce costs for those who do uh, these are the types of reforms that we need structural fundamental change in the economy uh, again you know Barack Obama has has never been uh, one to say that that free trade's a bad thing I think it 's just got to be done the right way you know I think the the main uh, problem right now with with trade is in relation to China uh, China accounts for more than a quarter of our Trade deficit, which is over seven hundred billion dollars, um, it's a very imbalanced relationship, and uh, you know those are the types of things that we have to fix. And I said, and Barack Obama said, we're going to take a look at that.
1: Campaigns, of course, are no place for finding out what pain the candidates might judge as necessary to inflict to achieve their goals, economic or otherwise. And that's true on the other major front, foreign affairs, where Mr. Obama pledged on the hustings to end the war in Iraq but continue the war on terror and raise defence spending.
5: We will finally finish the fight against Bin Laden and the al-Qaeda terrorists who killed 3,000 Americans on 9-11. I will never hesitate to defend this nation, but I will use
1: our military wisely. It's an interesting offensive. Islamic extremists up against the superpower's new commander-in-chief, who's lived in Muslim Indonesia, has relatives in black Africa, and boasts the middle name Hussein. Anthony Cordesman at Washington Center for Strategic and International Studies says Mr. Obama inherits an Iraq where security is much better, allowing him room to transfer troops to the intensifying war in Afghanistan. But he says Mr. Obama has never spelled out how he'll pay for this commitment. The problem is not so much the
6: dollar figure, it is that the defense budget will now be dealing with a shrinking set of federal revenues with a GDP going into recession and that there was very little effort to control costs. So the next president will inherit a budget or a future year defense program that had unaffordable new procurement activities, which didn't properly fund the increases in manpower and manpower cost arising out of the Afghan and Iraq wars which didn't look at critical issues like recovering readiness. And there are going to have to be some really major decisions about reprogramming and restructuring U.S. defence forces accordingly.
1: On the upside of the ledger is global goodwill. Surveys show if the world could have voted, it would have picked Senator Obama overwhelmingly. That sentiment's warmed by the promise of greater international cooperation in place of the failed unilateralism of the Bush White House and the demonstrated risks of the Bush doctrine of pre-emptive strikes. Matthew Hoffman is a New Zealander living in the US. Obama just speaks to, to everyone and acknowledges the place of the United States in the world and as being something that should unite the world, not go and blow up the world. You know. So it's, it's phenomenal to be here. <laughs> Among the issues at the crossover between foreign and domestic affairs is the future of the infamous U.S. military prison at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba. Mr. Obama has promised to close it down, though how quickly that happens may depend on the Supreme Court, which is not known for its speed. The courts are focus of right-wing groups, who have immediately cast Mr. Obama's victory as a defeat for conservative family values. Conservative Christian lobbyist Tony Perkins had this to say.
0: I don't want to sugarcoat the damage our movement absorbed last week. In January, we will see the government consolidated in the hands of the most radical, left-wing president in Congress in the history of our Republic, and they plan to drastically change our nation the moment they take power. Yet there's ample reason for hope if we take a stand, and if we start now. Importantly, most Americans still disagree with the newly elected leaders in Washington, D.C. on issues of faith, family
1: and freedom. Mr Perkins' Family Research Council says it will build a Supreme Court firewall to reject any radical judges nominated by the new president. However, Mr Obama's win has put paid for now to George Bush's shaping of America's highest court into a fundamentally conservative institution by appointing right-wing justices. Professor Mike Seidman of Georgetown University.
7: Right now the court is really balanced on knife's edge. There are Uh, four justices who are relatively liberal, four justices who are relatively conservative. Justice Kennedy is someplace in the middle. The three justices who are most likely to leave are all in the liberal wing. So if they were all replaced by conservatives, that would very substantially change the dynamic of the court. But if a President Obama were to serve for eight years, uh, then there might indeed be a a very substantial shift in the court. But that leads to another point. Presidents don't always get it right in terms of how people behave once they assume the bench and once they have life tenure.
1: Such skirmishing is a hallmark of America's culture wars. And whatever landmarks this election does represent, the death knell of those wars is not one of them. However, Peter Montgomery of the liberal lobby group People for the American Way says what will end is George Bush's accommodation of extreme right-wing social platforms. He took our policy very far to the right and took government very far to the right, but the people were
7: not, you know, hugely in his camp. But I do think this will be a tremendous shift in the Congress. Uh, certainly, it will be an extraordinary shift in policy at the top. The re- religious right had a friend in the White House and in the Republican Congress, and that really showed up in policy. Uh, Senator Obama has made clear that his approach to um, faith-based initiatives, to involving community and faith-based groups, will be different from President Bush's, and he has expressed strong commitments to constitutional principle of separation of church and state, which is something that uh, this White House and the religious right have fought very hard against.
1: As for whether this victory will result in an enduring reshaping of America, socially and politically, some commentators are saying Mr. Obama will need to win in 2012 as well, to truly reverse the conservative makeover of the states initiated by Ronald Reagan in 1980.
0: Thank you, Heidi. Thank
1: you. Can you tell me what sort of candy you've got so far, Heidi? Like
4: Reese's, Kit Kat, um, M&Ms, um, more Reese's, and wow. dots, Milky Way, Milky Way Crunch. Um,
1: That's a lot of candy. Yes. How long? How long will it take you to eat it all?
4: So you. We, can't you only get to have one piece of candy at a time. Like, when we get home, we stuff ourselves with candy until we feel like, oh, I feel sick. And then we yeah. stop, and then we save it, and then the next year we put it into the giving away.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that how it works?
1: Children on Halloween in the Washington, D.C. suburb of Brooklyn counting the loot garnered from their trick-or-treating. A much more serious accounting is going on around the Federal Triangle as the incoming administration assesses what resources it can call on in the face of the formidable challenges ahead. The transition is, as expected, being conducted with urgency and perhaps less expected with a distinctly hard-nosed approach headed by the enforcer, Mr Obama's new Chief of Staff, Roel Emanuel. The choices for top jobs, such as defense and treasury secretaries, will say much about Mr. Obama's plan of attack. Here's Marvin Kalb, the
0: Harvard University Emeritus Professor and Foreign Relations expert. He's a very interesting character. And my sense of this campaign, uh, my sense of having carefully read the two books that he's written, is that we're dealing with somebody who is very reflective, very intellectual very serious and rather deep, which is unusual for an American politician. That being the case, we're going to see an unusual president, and we're going to be surprised, all of us, by any number of things that he does. But I suspect that we will be seeing someone reaching out to the rest of the world. He is very well aware of the fact that in the last eight years America's position on the world has dropped dramatically. We're not loved as once we were. And Obama has said time and time again that one of the first things that the new president is going to have to do is to reach out to the rest of the world and to make friends once again. The other
1: powerful weapon to hand comes thanks to the Democrats extending their control of both Houses of Congress in the Congressional elections. Although they didn't reach the magic 60-seat mark in the Senate, that would have prevented filibusters by the Republicans to block bills. There are fears that such as their dominance, it will tempt the new president to overreach his hand. However, the limits of this freshly forged power may be tested over the central pledge of Mr Obama's domestic campaign to offer Americans near-universal health care.
4: Uh, The states do a good job with the DMV, but do we want the government controlling when we get an operation and how? Senator Obama talks about government intervening in health care.
1: That commentary from legal analyst Peter Johnson on Fox Television, just a sample of what's to come in the debate over insuring Americans. Mr Obama will beg as ever to differ, but health care reform has defeated many before him, including famously Hillary Clinton. Defeat, though, on the larger scale, on the presidential stage, is not something Barack Obama can even afford to contemplate. What was true of his campaign for victory is even truer now of what follows on from it.
5: We can't afford to slow down or sit back or let up. Not one minute, not one hour, not one second, not any time. Not when there's so much at stake.
1: He has a lot of what he needs. The mandate of the popular vote... The backing of many former Republican voting states, a friendly Congress, and the keys to the most powerful office in the world. And then there's that intangible. What on the night of November the fourth in so many cities and towns sparked so brightly, the faith of a mix of black, white, Hispanic, and young supporters that's probably unparalleled.
6: What are you going
4: to do with your president? That's the thing that we really care about. I remember I was I'm old enough to remember Kennedy when I was young and it kind of reminds you of somebody that can get you excited about it, but yet has ideas that you believe in. And I think we want to believe again, and maybe we've gotten too cynical here.
1: What's certain, though, is that their faith will be sorely tested.
3: There's a great fear, the prospect, that you know it's more than one man and uh, one four-year term can do. Uh, so, yeah, I think in four years it could be an open race for whoever wants to take on the challenge then.
1: Much will depend on the ongoing financial market turmoil that's applying such huge forces in the direction of chaos and bankruptcy. But it's just possible that Barack Obama's yes-we-can-catch cry is the building of a sentiment powerful and positive enough to take the United States in the opposite direction, economically, politically and socially.
0: That programme was written and presented by Phil Pennington. It was first broadcast in November.